On this episode of the Ball Talk Pod, TJ McBride of Mile High Sports joined the show to talk all things Denver Nuggets. This is the Ball Talk Pod. Evan Kinsley. Starting now. Welcome and thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Ball Talk Pod. As always, this is your host, Evan Kinzer, and today I'm joined by Denver Nuggets beat writer for Mile High Sports and host of the Nuggets Daily Podcast, TJ McBride. TJ, thanks for coming on. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to talk with you finally. We've been trying to do this for a long time, so I'm happy we finally made it work. Yeah, I'm, I've been really looking forward to this show, so um, should be a good one. Um, first, TJ, can you tell my viewers a little bit about your podcast and also where they can find it? Yeah, so I run the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. It is literally a daily four to five episode show a week podcast, just covering the ins and outs of what is happening with the Denver Nuggets. I do mailbag pods. I do breaking news kind of stuff. Like when Jeremy Grant trade went through, I did a big podcast on that. I'll have player interviews. I had Will Barton on last week. So there's all kinds of good stuff there. So any of the podcast listening platforms you use, definitely go ahead and look for that Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast and click subscribe. That's really cool. And, uh, Everybody make sure to check that out. He does great work. Um, okay, let's start out with the Northwest Division. The Nuggets won the division last year, but this is definitely one of the toughest divisions in the league. The Jazz got better with additions of Mike Conley, Boyan Bogdanovich, Jeff Green, Ed Davis, and Emmanuel Moutier. Um, and the Nuggets, they added Jeremy Grant, uh, Ball Ball, uh, and Michael Porter Jr. might be get, might be getting to play this year, so that could be a really big addition for the team. And the team only lost Trey Lyles. Um, so, what is your thoughts on the Northwest Division, and can the Nuggets repeat as champions? It's hard to not put the Nuggets ahead as the potential repeat champions in the Northwest Division. Really, in my opinion, the one team that is going to make things extremely difficult is Utah. Utah already made things difficult for Denver last year. Nikola Jokic does not handle super athletic, mobile bigs very well. And Rudy Gobert is just the kind of player that Nikola Jokic struggles to defend. So with that being said, now all of a sudden... They fixed the two biggest holes they had. They needed a point guard who can play on or off ball, who can defend very, very well, and can play with Donovan Mitchell. And they found the perfect guy in that in Mike Conley. The second thing they needed was a multifaceted power forward slash small forward who can shoot, who can handle, who can pass, who can just do a little bit of everything offensively. And then they went and got Boyan Bogdanovich, who, again, could not be a more perfect fit for them. So in my opinion, despite the fact that they don't have one of those superstar duos that you see in the rest of the Western Conference. I have them right up there in the top four teams in the West and the biggest competitor for the Denver Nuggets when you start talking about the Northwest Division. And this is not to say the rest of the teams are not looking good. People talk about Oklahoma City as if they are just done. Oklahoma City is going to start Chris Paul, Shea Gilgit-Alexander, potentially Andre Roberson, and you still have Stephen Adams, Patrick Patterson, all these really, really versatile players, especially defensively. That team is not there's going to be nobody and there are other teams in the west still i mean you're not going to be able just to walk through the western conference minnesota is going to be difficult carl anthony Towns is an absolutely incredible player despite all of the issues that minnesota as a team has dealt with they have gotten worse in my opinion but they're not going to be an easy out so the northwest division 
may have taken a slight step backwards in overall talent, but it's still going to be just a death gauntlet for the Nuggets to get through. Yeah, and I think the Jazz, other um, other than maybe the Clippers, had the best offseason in the NBA. Um, they didn't really lose a whole lot. They lost Derek Favors, but when you can bring, on, bring in those kind of guys, you're definitely going to see a big impact. Um, and another thing with the Thunder, uh, they also brought in Danilo Gallinari, and in the playoffs, he was probably their best player, and after they traded Tobias Harris, he really stepped up for them down the stretch. So I think the Thunder should not be uh, discounted for, and um. You know, uh, Chris Paul is injury-prone, so you definitely have to watch about that. But I think if they're fully healthy, the Thunder can be a really good team in the West. Um, so See, I, I still think I have them as the last team, but it's going to be a really interesting thing because, like you said, Gallo is going to be an interesting figurehead. But there are a lot of guys who are injury-prone, too. Gallo's injury-prone, yeah. Chris Paul's injury-prone, Andre Robeson hasn't played in two years. So those are going to be some interesting things to watch. But like you said, when they're at full health, they are a team to still be reckoned with. Yeah, and um, I'm not... Really concerned with the Timberwolves. I know Cat and Wiggins are really good players, um, but they lost. I think they lost too much. When you lose um, five of your really good rotation players, um, I don't think that you can really match that production if you only bring in Noah Vonley. Um, they lost Derrick Rose to the Pistons, Darryl Sarich in a trade, Taj Gibson to the Knicks, and also lost Tyus Jones. But they did bring in Jarrett Culver from Texas Tech, so um, – that should be really um, that should be a good interesting fit with the team, um, but I wouldn't expect too lot for uh, too much from him since he's only a rookie. Um, but I just don't think this team's gonna. It doesn't look like a playoff team. Um, could still get around thirty five wins, but I wouldn't be um, worried about them at the top of the Northwest Division. Yeah, I agree with that, and I think that can be said for most of the Western Conference, is that the lower-rung teams, the bottom-tier teams in the West, pretty much all got better. So there's going to be a whole lot of teams in that low-30s wins mark, which is just going to make it more difficult. There's not a day off in the Western Conference anymore. The Suns have real NBA players, finally. Dallas is not going to be an easy team to deal with. You have quite a few teams at the bottom rung of the Western Conference who are going to get some wins. So the, the whole West, I think, has an overall talent influx more than they had last year. Well, just thinking about that, maybe the Suns could be the only teams who don't get over 30 wins in the West. That would be crazy. Man, maybe, but they do have some actual NBA players all of yeah. a sudden, so I'm not going to completely count them out yet. Yeah, I, I see them in the higher 20s. I'm not sure if they get in the 30s yet, but uh, in a couple years, yeah, that, that I agree. Be, maybe a trade coming in midseason, that could be pretty interesting um but you just made a post about jamal murray missing FIBA play um can you talk a little bit about that and what that means for the team yeah so the canadian national team was actually looking that they were going to be very good they had a lot of solid players most of them nba rotation players and jamal murray was going to be what it seemed like as the primary option he according to blake murphy of the athletic who was fantastic at what he does if you're not following him make sure to fix that immediately but he is reporting that jamal murray suffered another ankle injury in the past few days and because of that he has withdrawn his name from the FIBA world cup roster for the canadian national team so now they don't have rj barrett or jamal murray on that canadian national team which means they're going to need to find some primary offensive initiators and guys who can go out there and just put up points they don't like they have quite a few rotation players kelly olenic tristan thompson dylan brooks there's a lot of good complementary pieces but they needed to have that bona fide go-to player and jamal murray or rj barrett could have been those guys but now with both of them being hurt they no longer have that guy so it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out for team canada because they were my 
dark horse favorite to end up grabbing a medal, even though they were only like fifth or sixth in terms of overall odds to win the FIBA World Cup. So it does suck for Team Canada. This is probably the most talented roster Team Canada was ever going to have. So to have these injuries kind of just tear them apart at the same time that the USA team is looking as vulnerable as they've ever looked, it's frustrating for Team Canada, I'm sure. But it's good for the Nuggets because Jamal Murray has been battling ankle injuries since the second he came into the NBA. So that hopefully he can come back fully healthy because from a Nuggets point of view, it is scary to see him already dealing with another ankle injury after hurting both ankles multiple times throughout last year. Yeah. And is this a very significant injury to the ankle, or um, is this just a precaution? So there's very little information that has come out. That's the thing about the international play stuff, is that it's hard to really get concrete information because the sources and the people you're talking to are extremely different than you would in an NBA environment. So I don't even know which ankle is injured. I don't know the severity of it. I don't know if this is a precautionary, I just don't want to re-hurt it before the season starts, or if this is, I cannot play on this ankle right now. All of those are very you know ominous, non not known facts as of right now. So we'll have to just wait and see, but we don't know but all i know is that jamal murray rolled each of his ankles three or four times last year he played 210 of his 211 games in his first few seasons and then missed six games only because of that ankle injury so this is a guy who will play through two sports hernias as a rookie in the nba and play all 82 games for him to miss any time with an ankle injury is something to take note of because he has had so many ankle injuries in the past and i I live in kentucky so I watched Jamal Murray through college, and he was always a phenomenal player, and he was very tough. Um, so I really am hoping for the best for Jamal Murray. Um, Jamal Murray also had some news this summer. He got a, signed a new five years, $170 million extension on July 24th, and Murray's averaged 18.2 points per game and 4.2 rebounds this season while shooting 43.7 from the field and 36.7% from three. Um TJ, what do you think about this signing for the Nuggets? And do they overpay, or was this a, just a right deal? So, from what I so I, from the people that I have talked to in the Nuggets organization, the way that I am picking up on how this is being viewed is that they understand that right now, in a vacuum for this season, it is probably an overpay. But they believe in their continuity, they believe in their patience, they believe in their internal development, that over the length of this contract, he will eventually justify it. That's a very big bet to make. The Nuggets bets that they have made have almost all been around continuity, all been around patience, and all been around internal development. That's why you didn't see them trade any of their young assets to go try and get involved in a star player kind of a trade. That's the same reason why they're drafting guys like Michael Porter Jr. and Bull Bull. It's the same reason they didn't fire Michael Malone after his first three seasons of not making the playoffs. It's the same reason that Tim Connolly chose to stay in Denver as opposed to uprooting everything and moving to back to Washington to run the Wizards. So with all of that being said, the Nuggets were always going to to make this bet, in my opinion. They're betting on their own internal growth that they have completely built themselves from the ground up. This is a team that the longest-tenured player is Gary Harris. They have completely retooled this roster in their own way, and they weren't going to make a bet that was any different than that. So for me, as an individual who covers this team, I am nervous about this. I don't think that Jamal Murray has... There's a lot of gaps he needs to fill in to be a maximum contract-type player, but the Nuggets were always going to make this deal. They were terrified of the Gordon Hayward situation where the Utah Jazz were kind of low-balling them and beating around the bush and not making it 
easy to have these contract discussions, and that eventually led to him leaving Utah to go to the Celtics. They were not going to have that situation happen. The Nuggets were going to get this done early. They were going to not deal with any drama around it, and they were going to run this thing back. So while I'm nervous about it because I don't believe in his defense, I don't believe in his ability to create his own shot whenever he needs to, I don't think his shake is there yet, and we haven't seen him be the explosive shooter that he has been tabbed as ever since he was at Kentucky, there's still a lot of reasons to believe in him. He's just turned 22 in February. He has matured as a playmaker. He has matured as a leader. He has been a guy who is in the gym endlessly and does everything he possibly can do to get better. So with all those things being said, the Nuggets feel comfortable with this deal, but they're all in now. This is their core. Unless they make a gigantic trade for like a Gary Harris going out for a big star named player kind of move, this is the core. This is what they are going to have for the next four years. So it's going to be an interesting thing to see play out, but they're betting everything on their continuity and their internal development, and it's going to be an extremely interesting process to watch because they're the last team really running the process, as the 76ers kind of coined. They're the last team who are buying into their own internal development, and that's it. They're not mortgaging their future. They're not trying to trade for other star players. They believe in who they have, and we'll see if that bet pays off or not. Yeah, and. I really do like Murray, um, and I think it really showed in the playoffs. Um, Average 21 points a game throughout the playoffs, so uh, I think it was a decent gamble. I think you have to be cautious about his ankles. Um, you don't want to make that commitment without knowing how his medicals look. Um, so I I think this could uh, be a good deal for the Nuggets in the long term. Like you said, I don't know if it's really good in the first few years, but in the later uh, stages of this contract, it could be really good. Um do you think there's a possibility of a Jamal Murray all-star season? I know there's been a lot of movement on the West. Mm. Um, he's been a, If he can step it up a little bit, maybe get the 21, 22 points a game, do you think this could be a possibility? I find it extremely difficult to see that, and it's not because of Jamal Murray. It's because Steph Curry is in the West. Damian Lillard is in the West. James Harden is in the West. There are just so many superstar guards that exist and also just aren't in Denver. Let's be very real about this. To be an all-star coming out of Denver, you have to do more than most other teams do to get all-star players. There just isn't the same recognition in Denver. It just is what it is. It's a smaller market team in the grand scheme of things, so Jamal Murray would have to outplay these players by a strong margin just to overcome the narrative issues of playing in Denver. So for me, I find it extremely difficult to see him as an all-star this year. With that being said, if he is an all-star this year, the Nuggets are likely a top-two seed and a very real contender for the NBA championship. That's how far they would have gone if Jamal Murray is an all-star. So we'll see, but I do not see it yet. Do you think he'd be in his uh, future, though? Uh, I'd, I think he has a really <laughs> bright future. Um, I know it's pretty early, but do you could you see this at the end of this contract? Ooh, by the end of this contract, it's absolutely on the it's on the table. Yeah. Um, it's it's a very difficult thing to say because in the NBA, you know, a player has a bottle of wine with another player, and the entire NBA blows up, <laughs> and all of a sudden there's 17 different players going different directions. Yeah. So it's really hard to say what will happen throughout the length of this contract. But the talent is there. There is no denying that. I have watched him shoot 
in an empty gym for so many hours of covering his team since he was drafted that I am completely bought into the fact that he is an elite-level shooter. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been able to show it on the NBA court yet, which is extremely frustrating because he is so talented, but that guy has the talent. I've watched him hit 27 straight threes by accident just in warm-ups as he goes around. He's hit six straight half-court shots just bored. Like, the guy's shooting potential is out of this world. It really isn't that Damian Lillard conversation of shooting ability. So if he can get to that point, man, the Nuggets are there, and he will have an opportunity to be an all-star. But he needs to finally put it all together on the court, which has not happened yet. Okay. Um, you know, injuries has played the team all year. Um, that It seemed like there wasn't a point all year when the team was healthy. Um, but the team has so much depth though they're not really big-name players, but they have been really good. And I think that's one of the best things about the Nuggets is they've been able to find players that have really helped them a lot. Um, So I'm really interested in seeing the team fully healthy. Um, It's a young team, um, so this could be really cool. Um, What do you think the Nuggets' ceiling ceiling is if they can stay healthy for most of the season? Cool. So – to put this into context, the Nuggets won 54 games last year, were one win away from the Western Conference Finals, and they played without three starters for an entire month. They also were the third most injured team in terms of total games missed in the league, and they still were that close. Yeah. So, when we, And they weren't just missing random players. You're talking Will Barton, who was going to be the starter going into the season. You're talking about Gary Harris who had multiple lower body injuries. Jamal Murray had an ankle injury. Nikola Jokic had an injury. Paul Millsap broke his thumb. There was just so much randomness of important players. So in my opinion, if they're, let's live in a fantasy world where there are no injuries in the entire league, I would say that the Nuggets are a top two team in the West, assuredly. I, it's hard for me to look past the Clippers with Kawhi and Paul George, um, but... If the Nuggets are completely healthy, they are an instant contender for an NBA championship. They just have not been able to show that. It's been five years since the Nuggets have had a decently healthy season. So if it lines up, which is a big if, I do think the Nuggets are easily a top two, top three team in the Western Conference and a real title contender. Do you think that they could be better than the Lakers this year? I mean, I'm a Laker fan, so I've I've watched a lot of the Lakers. Um, so I, I know how they match up against teams. Um, and I think that the LeBron and Anthony Davis uh, pairing will be amazing because they both really complement each other. Um, do you think the Nuggets are better than them? And do you think they could maybe – I know they'll probably be better in the regular season, but do you think they could be uh, able to match up with the Lakers in the postseason? So that's the big question. The Nuggets are going to have the advantage of continuity. There's no upheaval on their team. They're going to hit the ground running because they know how to play together. So they're going to win more regular season games than a lot of these teams just for that simple fact of just being a couple more months ahead of the curve than everybody else. But when you come to the playoffs, this is going to be the golden question because the Nuggets proved in the playoffs this past year that Nikola Jokic will not be played off the floor because of his defensive inability. He was fine defensively, and they have a two-man pairing in Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic who can pretty much score at will against whatever defense you throw in front of them. So with those two things being said, now can they do it against the higher-level teams in the West? Beating the Spurs and almost beating the Blazers, well, it was fantastic for their first-ever playoff run as a team. It's not where you need to be to really be in the conversation of beating LeBron James in the playoffs. That's an entirely different animal to really face. So that's really going to be the magical question. I think they're better than the Lakers are right now, 
just because OID games you're going to get from Anthony Davis and LeBron James combined, and I have no idea how the rest of the roster is even going to look, because they have like six point guards, and they want to start LeBron at point guard. Like, I don't understand what the roster construction is still. So if they can figure that out, if they can get into a rhythm before the playoffs, then yes, I do think the Lakers are better. But if there is still chaos, if there is still a potential trade coming again where they just completely skin the roster alive, for another time, then no, I do think the Nuggets are going to be better than the Lakers. It all comes down to what kind of chaos is happening around that Los Angeles team. Yeah, and there's a lot of uncertainty with the Lakers right now. Um, we don't know how good Avery Bradley will be. If he could return to Boston Celtics, Avery Bradley, then I think the Lakers could be the, the best team in the Western Conference. Um, but we don't know about that. Um, he was he was pretty bad with the Clippers last year. So, uh, But you saw some... Um, Saw better Avery Bradley with the Grizzlies, so we don't really know about that. Um, but I, I think in that matchup, I think that the addition of Jeremy Grant could really help there. Um, he's been really healthy. He uh, played in 80 games last season, so um, I think that could be a really uh, good addition for the Nuggets. If he can stay healthy, I think that he could be a, a X factor for the team. Um, he, he's a long, athletic player. Um, he knows how to play, so... I think that that could be a really big addition. I think that that addition could really help in the playoffs. Cause there's so many athletic wings in the West now. I mean, Paul George and Kawhi on the same team, um, and you need you need someone that could guard a LeBron top. Um, you can you need those kind of guys. And I think Jeremy Grant would be one of the would be a perfect guy to guard um, them wings in the West. What do you think about that? Well, people forget, when it comes to Jeremy Grant, people forget what happened last year with the Thunder because when Paul George hurt his shoulders, it was not Paul George defending the Kawhis of the world anymore. It was Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant had no choice but to take on that role of defending the best player if they are if they happen to be a 2-3 or a 4 on the opposing team every single night from when Paul George got hurt on. So he does have that very real ability to switch 1-5, through five, to shut guys down in isolation, to rotate from the weak side and be disruptive as a shot blocker or getting into passing lanes. He can do so much defensively for you. Michael Malone, I can't... I I can't remember a time in which Michael Malone was more giddy as a coach than when he was at the introductory press conference for Jeremy Grant. You can just see the smile on his face like, I have my absolute lockdown defender. Finally, I have him. And not only that, I would not be surprised if the Nuggets close games with Jeremy Grant at the three. Because you can get a few minutes out of that group of Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Jeremy Grant, Paul Millsap, Nikola Jokic. You now have three above-average defenders in Paul Millsap, Jeremy Grant, and Gary Harris. Uh, Nikola Jokic, who is a very good defensive positional center and a team defender, obviously you can't just put him on an island and be like, go defense Steph Curry. That's not who he is. But he knows where to be at a very high level. So with that kind of a group, they can really make a strong defensive pairing because of that. So Jeremy Grant is going to unlock everything for the Nuggets. I'm currently in the middle of writing a big film article writing about that, how he is the key to unlocking their potential so long as everybody stays healthy. If you talk about a front court partner to fit with Nikola Jokic, in my opinion, you need someone who can space the floor, someone who can block shots from the weak side and, and you know basically clean up the defensive issues that Nikola Jokic presents. You need a guy who can defend all five positions and switch if you need, and you need a guy who makes good decisions. 
And he checks off every single one of those boxes and then some. I mean, this is a guy who can attack closeouts and dunk on guys. This is a guy who is dribble driving with a screen and making passes out of the pick and roll. This is a guy who hit over 40% from three in the corners last year. And then on top of that, he's the only other player other than Carl Anthony Towns to have 100 blocks, 100 threes, and 60 steals in a season last year. But he is the perfect complement to this Denver Nuggets team, and I cannot wait to see the way that he fits. Yeah, and I, that didn't get much media attention whenever Jeremy Grant went to the Nuggets. Uh, I saw that move as a really big um, addition for the team. Um, I've, I've seen him play for the Thunder for years. Um, so I really think that that can really be a big addition for the team. And there's a couple other guys on the roster that I think um, could have an impact. Uh, ball ball, probably not this year, but um, if he becomes a player that we saw at Oregon um, with his athleticism and shooting ability, if the team can develop him like they developed their other players, I think that could be the perfect pairing for Nikola Jokic and have – Put one of them at the five, and then that be that could cause a lot of trouble in the NBA with Ball Ball and Nikola Jokic uh, front court. Um, but another guy is Vlatko Kankar. I think that pro- I pronounced that right. Um, it's Chanchar. It's okay. very weird of a name. It's not everyone on the face of the earth has gotten that name wrong. So. <laughs> uh, but I saw that you were really high on him. Um, you said you can plug him in anywhere. Um, can you talk a bit a little bit about him for people who aren't familiar? Um, with him and uh, what does he provide for the team so the Nuggets drafted him 49th in the 2017 NBA draft he had the same agent as Nikola Jokic's original agent and he also played in Serbia for the same team that Nikola Jokic played for so that's the connection as to how the Nuggets basically found him of course the Nuggets have one of the best you know international scouting circuits in the league because they keep finding all of this international talent, but at the same time, that connection to Nikola Jokic made it extremely easy. In addition to that, he also was good friends with Luka Doncic, who also has connections with the Nuggets front office. So there was a lot of opportunity for the Nuggets to get to know him as a kid. So then, he ended up going to the ACB League, which is, in my opinion, the second best league in the world, which is in Spain. Um, well, in that part of the world, he played. For, he played in the ACB League and was strong. So he came over for summer league for the second year in a row. Played well for the Nuggets, and the Nuggets saw a perfect utility player. I don't know if you're a baseball guy or if your listeners are, but that term utility guy in yeah. baseball, where you can play second, you can play short, you can play outfield, you can be an emergency catcher, all of those kinds of roles. That's what he brings he can be a spot player at the shooting guard position because he knows how to space the floor and play on the perimeter he can be a multifaceted small forward because he can he's a triple threat guy he can dribble he can pass he can score and then if you need to play power forward he's strong enough and big enough to bang with guys down low so he can really just kind of plug any gap that may suddenly arise we talked about the Nuggets being so injured a bunch already in this podcast. When you look back to what Torrey Craig was able to provide the Nuggets when everybody got hurt two years ago, that's the role that I envision Vlaco filling in. He can start here and defend threes. He can start there and shoot from the two-guard position and just take corner threes. He is just a perfect multi-positional two-way player who can do a little bit of everything and is extremely smart. He won't make mistakes, but he'll just fill in every gap that needs to be filled. And is he ready to play now? Um, so, I, you know, normally when you bring in guys, you develop them in the G League for a few years. Could he plug in now and be a part of the rotation? Or is this uh, some guy that um, they could be developed for a few years? 
So I don't think he needs development, but I also don't think where he is at means he's going to play over a Malik Beasley, per se, or a Tory Craig. This is still a break-in-case-of-emergency type of a player, and he will grow. He's not that. I think he's 24, 23, so he's still a pretty young player. There's plenty of growth still to be had, and he's never had NBA-level coaching before. So to kind of add all of those together, there is probably still room for growth, but his upside or his ceiling is not immeasurable. He's not one of those kind of projects. He's a guy who just knows how to play the game extremely well. And because of that, he will be there when they need him. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to get your thoughts a little bit on the rest of the NBA. We have a little bit of time, so um, I'd like to hear what you, your thought of the offseason is um, and what that could mean for the rest of the league. Man, this offseason has been so interesting to me, and I think the biggest thing is the fact that there are so many stars spread out across different teams for the first time in a long time. You don't have these big threes and big fours. You have tandems now, which, in my opinion, makes the league so much more interesting. So now, in my opinion, there's, what, six, seven, eight teams who could conceivably win an NBA title next year? Like Golden State, Utah, Denver, Houston, Philly. You have Milwaukee. You have Boston. There are so many teams who staff a real chance to win an actual NBA title next year. So for me, the parity, and it may not be a top-to-bottom, one-through-thirty type of a parity, but in terms of the upper echelon teams and the mid-grade teams, there is so much parity in that, in, in that area of the NBA that you're going to have competitive basketball every single night now. And that, for me, is extremely exciting. I'm always in favor of dominance, but now we get to see multiple dominant players playing together in different markets against each other. That, to me, is just that perfect sweet spot where you still have a superstar-dominated league, but there's enough teams to make it interesting. You don't have just the Warriors are going to win everything. I don't even want to watch until January. That won't exist this year. And that makes me extremely excited. And honestly, in my opinion, the league itself was probably the biggest winner of free agency. I can't remember when there was this much player movement and this many different teams with so many questions, but so much talent around them. So I'm very, I'm very happy with how the free agency period went for the league as a whole. And I'm very excited to watch the Christmas Day games, and they released those a couple days ago with the Lakers and the Clippers. That's going to be amazing. They're going to be playing on opening night as well, so uh, right from the get-go, that's going to be amazing. Um, I think this is last year's playoffs were amazing, and I think this year will be even better. And then you can even think about next year with Kyrie and KD on the same roster. So uh, it just the league is in great position, and I think the big three will be dead for a while. Um, since we, I agree. We'll be seeing what the duos like, and I think uh, it's a lot like the nineties. I think um, we see like uh, Penny and Shaq, um, uh, and then you see a couple other pairings like Alonzo Mourning and Tim Hardaway in the uh, late nineties. Jordan and Pippen were obviously the two best, um, but I think this will be really interesting to have this type of basketball. Um, I think that the um, the Warriors' dominance was good. Um, it made everybody want to uh, play catch up, so they were there was good moves um, trying to catch up to them with the Rockets. They developed, um, they spent their entire off season trying to catch up to the Warriors, and they got close, but they could never do it. Um, and they split up their team because of it, and now trying to retool again um, because the West is wide open. So, uh, I, I thought the Warriors' run was good for basketball. 
Um, and I, I'm really excited to see what the Warriors will be, be able to do this year. Um, you know, Clay's going to be out. Yeah, I'm not counting them out. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't do that. I, they're going to be good still, man. <laughs> yeah, um, and I think D'Angelo would be a really good fit with the team. It's going to be interesting to see what happens when Clay comes back. Um, you have three All Stars at the guard position. So, do you put Clay at the small forward, or do you bring D'Angelo off the bench, bring Clay in shortly, and then move the end of the bench. It's, it, there's a lot of question marks, so we don't really know what's going to happen with the Warriors, but I can guarantee it's going to be good. And then the they got the Draymond Green extension. Like there's so much going on with the NBA right now. It just it's a perfect time to be a basketball fan. I mean the uh, month of July is just crazy. So, and I can't wait for basketball. Well, we're pretty much at months. twelve month sport territory yeah. now. Like we are at twelve month sport territory, and it's yeah. a lot of fun because of it. Yeah, and I love summer league as well. I mean, if you're a basketball junkie, you like watching it. So, I mean, Zion was really hyped up during summer league, and that was really interesting to see. Yeah, so, that, it was an amazing eleven minutes, wasn't it? Just like yeah. an incredible eleven minutes. That was awesome. Um, so th- this NBS season is definitely going to be amazing, and I'm really looking forward to it. And October can't get here soon enough. Um, well, TJ, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, it was a pleasure to speak with you, and I would absolutely love to have you back on sometime. Yeah, hit me up whenever, man. It's always good talking basketball. Thank you for listening. Check out all my shows on BallTalkPod.com, iTunes, SoundCloud, and all social media outlets.